This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number three on a Buffalo Football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to be joined now by Bills radio color analyst Eric Wood, as he does every Monday after Bills games, at least when there isn't a Monday night game, which is the case next week, which we'll get into in a little bit. But Eric, let's begin here. Uh, I, as you know, as much as the offense was able to turn it on in the third quarter with that spurt that really kind of surged into the lead comfortably, and it was pretty much a decided game, uh, even though it was still a one score game, you never felt like the bears were going to climb back into it. Defense wire to wire really kind of carried this group on Saturday. I thought. Yeah, they did. And that first possession was concerning because we saw this Bills rush defense struggle against Miami. And then the first drive of the game, Chicago marches right down the field. Chicago comes in with the number one rushing attack in all of the NFL. And you just thought, I hope this can't persist throughout the game. This defensive staff, these defensive players throughout the season have been, uh, they've proven that they can make adjustments in game. We just didn't see it against Miami. They continue to be able to run the football for a majority of the game. And so when we saw Chicago come right out of the gates, it it was concerning. I'm not going to lie. You were thinking, okay, we got to come up with a different plan of attack here. The Bills started using more three linebacker sets, getting Taron off the field. And they, I think they just kind of settled into what the Bears were going to try and do to attack this Bills defense. And then for the remainder of the game, the clamps were down and, you know, they score six more points throughout the game, three of which come on a turnover in their own end. And so it was a very impressive performance by this Bills defense, very dominant against the run. I mean, you talk about Justin Fields, who... Yes, they're, they're, they came in with three wins on the season, eliminated from the playoffs. But you have some young guys. Justin Fields talked throughout the week about how he is. He does recognize that he needs about 200 more yards to break the single-season rushing record for a quarterback. And he comes into the game, 
uh, over these past three of his last five games, he's got runs over 55 yards. He's crushing everybody. He gets out in space. He's got those long strides, and he just takes it down the field. And the Bills hold him to one point. I want to get this right. 1.6 yards per carry, seven rushes for 11 yards. Hold him completely in check. And after David Montgomery starts the game extremely hot, he's under four yards per carry. Herbert, we thought may give him fits because Herbert's a little closer to what Mostert brings to the table with the Dolphins. And he averages 1.2 yards per carry on the game. That was a heck for performance by the defense. And when you're playing in inclement weather like they were, sub-zero temperatures, wind chill with the wind, Oftentimes, your defense needs to step up in those situations. It's been my point, and I don't know if you you agree. And uh, I've said it's kind of an illustration of why the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites, why they've won thirteen game or twelve games to this point, uh, or whatever it is, twelve games, and is because whatever they're good from top to bottom. That's why you get to the point where you're the Super Bowl favorites preseason. That's why they've been able to overcome one of the most difficult schedules. They've been overcome the injuries. They've been able to overcome the quirky games. Uh, they are good enough to exploit whatever team they face. Most of them have some weakness, something they don't do well. They're good enough offensively to take advantage of it, of a defense that doesn't do something well. They're good enough defensively to exploit a weakness that the offense doesn't do well. They have beaten teams in every possible way imaginable this season. That's why. They're sitting atop the conference because, like, for instance, the Bears had several weaknesses, all of which were exposed by the Bills, and that's why they've been able to beat good teams as well. Yeah, you're you're spot on there, Steve. And, you know, thinking back to the Browns game where the Bills passing offense in the Dome, you thought, okay, this game gets moved to a Dome. Here we go. Here comes the passing attack. And whether it was the lack of practice, whether it was Josh's elbow bothering him, whatever it was, the passing attack wasn't there that day, and they crushed the Browns on the ground, similar to this game in Chicago where they needed the ground game to step up, and it did. I'll tell you what, I Devin Singletary has an excellent game. He's played at a high level. We We know what to expect from Devin. I'll say this. From week one, James Cook, to now week 14, James Cook, week 15, James Cook, I mean, unbelievable. It's unbelievable the progression that he's had through the season. You know, the days where he's tripping over his feet, getting to the hole because his body's moving a little quicker than his mind or vice versa, those days are over. And when he sees a crease, that explosion that he has is evident. Josh sailed the one pass to him and goes for interception. I think James Cook does a great job of staying quarterback friendly in front of him to get proper dump downs. And to me, he is more than justifying as of late that second round pick the Bills made him. And I'll tell you what. I, I almost think the turn, the turning point, the biggest turning point for me as I wrap my mind around James Cook's season was that early carry against the Browns where he didn't get the first down on the toss and he had a, just an awful cut on that play, just an awful read of blocks on the outside. From that point on, I don't know how many cuts he's missed at all. And I say missed cuts, oftentimes they're giving him zone runs where you kind of have the full line at your disposal. You could take it to the outside. You can cut it back and go all the way back across the formation. And he's just getting such a great feel for it. You want to talk about a weapon moving forward. You know, they bring in Naeem Hines thinking maybe he's that role. If James Cook can't come along, I don't know if that gives him a little extra nudge or what exactly happened to where it's clicking for him. He's been so impressive as of late. Yeah, and Naheem Hines made a nice play with that spin move after the catch. What was that, a swing pass or something, I think. 
and uh, got him deep in the red zone on a play as well. But you're right. I mean, Cook looks more decisive with his cuts. And when he's just playing, that's when his rare physical ability can take over. And I made this argument with Steve earlier in the show, Eric. You tell me what you think of this. It's clear to me that late in games, when they have the lead, they trust Devin Singletary. He's the guy on the field. If this team's in a situation where they're down a touchdown at the end and they need a big play, some tells me it's going to be James Cook that's on the field. Especially as good as they are in two mid and putting pressure on teams. You know, you, you see what speed can do to a defense and what they have to do from a respect standpoint when you see teams play against the Miami Dolphins. I'm not saying James Cook has Tyreek Hiller or Waddle speed on the outside, but that extra speed element scares defensive coordinators. It makes them play a different way at times. And James Cook brings that speed element out. He's able to hit the home runs. And look, Devin Singletary, he had long runs as well. He had that 33-yarder for the touchdown, and he's looked great as well. Those two guys are a great complement. And I was a touch concerned with the offensive line heading into this game because they did not play well in the second half against Miami once Mitch Morse went out of the lineup. Well, they get – you know, Bates comes back in this game. He plays center. He actually has to miss a few snaps, but he comes back with a little bit of a scare with that knee. Great to see Ike Bucker able to come in the game. You know, it was it was just very sparingly there, but he was able to play, you know, less than a year after um, that that Achilles that he tore. But I was concerned about the offensive line. And they and, I, and I, look, I'm a realistic. I know this defensive front for Chicago isn't tops in the league, but they had a great day against a defense for the most part that knew they wanted to run the football based on the conditions. One of the other things we noticed about this game also was that Josh spread the football around to everybody. I mean, the, you had like 10 guys get targets in this game. Nobody really, nobody got more than six Gabe Davis and they only threw the ball 26 times. So I get that as well. But what does it say about coming down the stretch here where so many guys are getting a chance to, uh, uh, to get the ball. I, and I see that it, it hurts the defense, but you're trying to win the game too. What does it say about what the Bills offensive staff, what kind of mind frame they're in with all these guys getting targets? Yeah, they got a lot of weapons right now. There's a, there's a lot uh, a lot of targets for the ball to go around to. It's not just the Stephon Diggs show in the pass game every single week. And I'm not sure if that's a concerted effort with load management. We'll never hear that from the staff. Maybe right. maybe after a hopeful Super Bowl, maybe we get that information mid-February that, yes, towards the end of the season, we understood that if we give Diggs 10 targets a game, that may hurt us in the postseason. But as of late, he's not getting the high number of targets. That could be dictated by coverage, or it could be dictated by just a little bit of load management. He didn't even have as many snaps in the last game as Gabe Davis. So it, it appears that there's a concerted effort that we don't want to wear Diggs out towards the end of the season, especially in a game where they're going to be doing a lot of run blocking anyways. We don't necessarily need to get him dinged up on the outside. But, I mean, you look at last game and you got guys like Quentin Morris and James Cook catching touchdowns. And, and this week, you get D Gabe Davis with the receiving touchdown. That ball is getting spread around enough. First play of the game, a nice pass to Dawson Knox, who's coming alive in the passing game. It just seems like there's a lot more weapons coming to the scene right now. And Cole Beasley gets one catch in, in each of the last two games. He's a guy that I want to continue to see get more and more work. I just think he can be a valuable asset, especially moving forward. And, and we talked about this last week, or maybe it was the week that they picked up Cole Beasley. Like, what 
why exactly do you go out and get a Cole Beasley? It's it's when teams are playing zone, let's call it second and 10. Yesterday, I believe it was a second and 19. Well, Cole Beasley gets you back to a third and manageable, and then you get the first down. That's the role that Cole Beasley can play moving forward. And, and I'm hoping, personally, just knowing his potential and, and where his role in the offense can be, that moving forward, he just gets more and more workload to where he's back on the exact same page as Josh come postseason. We were talking about the fact that the Bills have one more practice squad elevation available to them for Beasley, one more for Brown. So they're going to have to kind of handicap the next two games with one of those two guys, presumably over the last two weeks. Steve and I were thinking you play Beasley this week to give Josh the easy layups um, against a Bengals defense that's probably better than a Patriots defense. And then you play John Brown against the Patriots defense in week 18 for his last call up, knowing he already played against them once before. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right in that assessment. And, you know, we're not hoping for injuries, but there could be injuries that happen that then it's a full elevate. You know, you just bring them up to the active roster come week 18. If somewhere happened injury wise, you play, in my opinion, you play Cole Beasley this week, you use that elevation and then see what happens from there. And then I believe you get unlimited call-ups in the playoffs and you, you play with your best guys come that time. But yes, this is a Bengals defense that is, we'll see what the injury situation is with their defensive ends, but you know, they're a load up front and Cole Beasley becomes very valuable when a front can pressure and they can play coverage behind it. That's where he becomes so valuable. If you can get home with a four man pass rush, a la the jets and play zone or complex coverages behind it, which Cincinnati can do. That's when a Cole Beasley becomes very valuable. What do you think going forward is the, you know, with the season, two games left, the bills got, uh, a tough one Monday night against the Bengals, uh, but you look around and, you know, certainly they've got, uh, they're in the playoffs. They're not going anywhere. Uh, what about teams? You know, what's your best guess about you know, how this thing, if, you know, if the bills went out, Hey, cool, let's, let's play home games at, in Buffalo. But this is a team right now for the bills. To me, certainly you want these games at home. Absolutely. No question. But nobody wants any part of this team coming into the playoffs, in, the Chiefs included, just like the Bills know it's going to be the Chiefs or nobody else coming down the stretch here. Now, certainly the Bengals are in that conversation, but really that's kind of where, it, for me, at this point, at week 16, 17, it starts with the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals coming down the stretch here. And whether it's on the road or at home, the Bills have proven their ability to win in any of those situations. So what are your thoughts about you know those games and how they're going to transpire? Yeah, I mean, you, you got Cincinnati and New England left. You win both of those. You're favored in both of those. I know you're just favored just by a, a small margin against the Bengals. But, you know, the, the, the everyone talked about it this offseason. Their goal for this season was, yes, to make the playoffs, yes, to win the division, but to host throughout the playoffs at home. They get knocked out at Kansas City the last two years. Their goal was to host these games at home, and they make them easier in the playoffs. And, you know, one thing that has held back this offense at times this season, let's call it Baltimore, let's call it Kansas City, early in games when teams are pressuring them and they can't check at the line of scrimmage because of the crowd noise, that has affected the offense greatly. If you can host those games in the playoffs, that that makes a big deal. I, you know, the 
I, you know, I've watched the Bengals a lot. If, if the bills are off on the weekend, we've had so many primetime games. I've got to watch a lot of their games. They're one heck of a football team. This is going to be a heck of a matchup. I I'll say this. I'd rather face them in, in Buffalo. If they're facing off against the Bengals or chiefs, let them deal with the crowd noise, let them make it harder on them to be able to check at the line of scrimmage. Cause that just becomes a big factor. Yeah. And speaking of the Bengals, the thing that I, that I feel like I've kind of nailed down somewhat with Burrow and how he plays is yes, he's got an above average arm. He doesn't have a Mahomes or an Allen arm. Not many people do. And I think because of that Burrow's game resembles more of a Tom Brady type approach. I mean, yes, he'll throw it down the field, but he'll it's death by a thousand cuts. If you know what I mean, he'll, he'll just take the easy things that defenses give him the entire game. And I think sometimes Josh fights his own competitive nature and pushes it down the field. Even when he has the, the quote unquote layups sitting there in front of him and burrow, I think is much more um, discerning in that kind of decision-making, which makes him so effective as a result. Do you feel he's that he's kind of a quarterback of Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. that ill because he seems to take a lot of the layups that we saw Tom Brady take for 20 years yeah and and that's not you know you're we're comparing him to the greatest of all time but we're basically saying that he's more preparation cerebral make smart decisions as opposed to the talent now Tom Brady has a lot of arm talent too but we're in a generation of quarterbacks with Herbert Allen and Mahomes where if you don't have an absolute hose if you can't run a four five forty, then you're not on their physical echelon and, and Burroughs not. Now he's capable of making all the throws, but I think you're right, uh, Chris. And, you know, looking back to the Super Bowl last year, you know, you got two weeks worth of media coverage and everyone was saying, you know, looking at Burroughs game, he's going to go at matchups here and Rams have talent at corner. Well, he's going to attack the nickel. He's going to attack the zone coverage of the Rams, and he did. Tyler Boyd had a great game, and that's what he can do is attack you in so many different ways, and he also gets the ball to the backs out of the backfield, whether it's Perrine or Mixon, whoever's healthy and ready to go. They throw a decent amount of screens, and so those guys get a lot of production as well. They've gotten production out of their tight ends over the years with Burrow as well. Now, Burrow, like most quarterbacks in the league, becomes a lot more manageable to deal with when you can apply pressure on him. Think back to Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl last year and that interior pressure. He's not as mobile as a Mahomes or an Allen. Now they're without Lyle Collins, their right tackle. Yeah, just went out for the season. Yep, and so this is an offensive line. Yes, you feel better if you have Von Miller for these matchups, and this is what you brought him in for, but this defensive line is playing well right now. I mean, A.J. Epinesa, six and a half sacks on the season. Greg Rousseau's playing well. Ed Oliver, he stopped four third downs himself against Chicago. Two sacks, two passes deflected at the line of scrimmage. He's playing great ball. And so getting pressure on Joe Burrow with a four-man rush, it makes those decision-makers – 
a lot more pedestrian. Yeah, and you get into these games with this, and it's nothing changes when you get whether it's a big game or a small game. It's one up front. I mean, your offensive line has to hold up to a certain extent. Your defensive line has to hold the line of scrimmage. You've got to get penetrate all that stuff. Uh, you've got Ed Oliver, who has been, you know, at times this season, monstrous. Uh, Jordan Phil- Jordan Phillips, to me, he made a nice couple of plays in this Bear game, but that guy's playing with one arm. I mean, if you watch the broadcast, he made a tackle yeah. for a loss. His right, his right arm's dangling the whole play, and he brings the guy down for a tackle for loss. Um, how effective he's going to be down the stretch is going to say a lot about how this goes. But you're, the Vaughn Miller factor is not a factor anymore. How good can this D-line be against somebody who's not the Chicago Bears? I, th- I think they can be great because they have been since Vaughn left. I don't know if it was them, everyone saying this defensive line is nothing without Vaughn. And that's kind of the narrative around the country. Oh, they brought in Von Miller. Well, you know what? We brought in four other free agents as well. A lot of these guys are early in their career and they're high draft picks that develop through time. It'd be nice to get back Boogie Basham as well. And and indications are over the next couple of weeks, we will. And so there's a lot of talent in that room still. Would love to see Jordan Phillips get back to healthy. I saw exactly what you did, Steve. You know, he's throwing almost a, a, a forearm shiver at guys with his good arm to, in order to make plays. But that's how talented that guy is, that he could be effective yeah. with only one yeah. arm out there. But but I truly do feel like this group is a is a defensive line that can win a Super Bowl and I've said it on here before, you can be led on your defensive line in the pass rush by your three technique and Ed Oliver. One thing I will say, you're right. Um, they lost Vaughn in the Detroit game, and since then, they won that game. He couldn't finish. He got out. He was out just before halftime. They won that game, and they got a four-game win, winning streak going on right now, and the D-line has played well in all of them. Four games is a long time to keep it going without a, a key guy, so there is that. Um uh, Still, you'd love to have Vaughn, but you're right. Um, Four-game winning streak's not easy to do, particularly against the Patriots, the Jets, Dolphins, Bears. Uh, I mean, not, not going against juggernaut quarterbacks. Right, they're not Steve, juggernaut yeah. quarterbacks, um, but they've been dominant in games where you think they should have been, and I don't know that before Vaughn Miller they would have been able to do that, even right. against those teams. And just like we talked about early in the season when the Bills were starting, Benford and Elam and Dane Jackson, and the best friend for them is a great pass rush. Well, now you have Tredavious White back in the lineup. Dane Jackson's playing at a fairly high level. Kyrie Elam's playing well, uh, really well at times. Yeah, Taron Johnson's playing well. Well, they can be the best friend of the pass rush for the remainder of the season as Tredavious keeps getting more and more comfortable out there. There, you got a shutdown. You have a lockdown corner out there. You have a nickel that has played well since the second he walked into the building. The other side, you have Kair Elam, who you just assume will just keep getting better and better with reps, and he's played very well as of late. That can also assist this defensive line in their pass rush. Eric, thanks as always for the insight. We appreciate it. We're not going to see you before the new year, so happy new year. And uh, I know you'll enjoy the drive up to the game this week on Monday, much better than the one you just undertook to Chicago. Absolutely. Very short commute for me this week. Almost <laughs> feels like a home game for me. And, uh, and, and Merry Christmas to all those out there tuning in. I hope that you and your loved ones are safe for everyone in Western New York. Um, you know, my family's thoughts and prayers have been with uh, the community up there. Wish everybody a happy new year and hope you guys have a great rest of the week. 
All right. Thanks, we'll see. catch up with you on the weekend. Thanks, Eric. Yep. See you guys. All right. That's Eric Wood joining us as he does every week after Bill's games, usually on Mondays next week, he'll catch up with us on Tuesday because it's Bill's Bengals on Monday night football in week 17. That is going to be a Jigundo game for sure. Uh, we are going to take a break here. When we come back, it is tweet sheet time to get some of your thoughts there. As we were asking you on the heels of the Bills win over the Bears, what is the most important thing for the Bills with just two games remaining in the regular season? We'll get to some of those comments next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Steve Tasker with you as we go motoring home in this final half hour of a Bills football Monday. And we wanted to get to the tweet sheet as we've been asking you what's the most important thing now for the Bills with two games remaining. Tweet sheet, as always, brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And Steve, we begin with a person named Foy who says no turnovers focused playing they don't have to have home field advantage they just have to win and if it is on the road so be it um asking for no turnovers is i mean that's kind of a weird thing because there are two teams playing the game not just one uh and turnovers are sometimes forced by your opponent um so yeah, but he's right. I get it. I mean, if I know the, what he's saying, but yeah, if the bills, if the bills play clean, they're hard to beat and they're almost impossible yeah. to beat. Um, and it really narrows the margin of victory for their opponent. So I get it. And this home field advantage thing. Sure. Um, uh, it's, it's not vital. The bills. Have, I mean, they, they, you know, last year's a great example. I think it's pretty important. Uh, it is. I'm, well, I'm here's the say. thing. It helps, but yeah. it's not the it's not the be all end all. The be all end all is you got to play well. That's it. And they yeah. they're good enough to play well on the road and win, beat anybody. So they you know they've proven that time and again as well. So I'm you know, and I know that the Twitter Twitter trolls will say, well, they didn't do with thirteen seconds last year, yeah. but and nevertheless, that's that's a pretty good football team, and the Bills have and and there's no reason to think they can't get to the Super Bowl with the two seed or even the three seed. I just want to see Pat Mahomes play a damn road playoff game. That's what I want. Yeah. Because that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. And I'll say this too. I think Josh and Pat are, you know, two of them. They're, they're two tough guys to beat. They're the guys who are the, the juggernauts of the league. Um, Just because we haven't seen Pat Mahomes do it doesn't mean he can't do it. And doesn't mean, and just because we haven't seen Josh Allen not do it yet, we saw a pretty good imitation of it last year with the 13 second game. So both of those yeah. guys, you have every reason to think they can, they can waltz into any stadium and get to the Super Bowl that way. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, you love it. And it's not so much, I think, and I, I yes, home field is great. I think the best part about it, though, by a little bit, not a whole wide margin, is the bye week that they get because of it. Yeah, that's that is the the thing to me. Yeah, because no so, matter what, you know you're going to the divisional round. It's a plus guarantee. You get, plus, you get like what amounts to for these players at this point in the season a month off. It feels like a month 
without a game at this point. Um, so that healthy, fresh, prepared, yeah, that's yeah. the big part about it. The the home field is important, yes, and it's not by much, but I would say the bye week is just as important or even more important yeah. than having that game at home. Because, you know, what happens if you go to a dome game if you're the Bills? Then it's it's even better, you know? So whatever. Uh, that's what I think. Jim on the tweet sheet says, win out. Put everything you've got into beating the Bengals. Rest a couple if needed for the Patriots. Then week off to get as healthy as possible for the postseason. I'm kind of with him. Yeah, I am. I'm too. not resting. Um, pe- I'm not resting too many guys against the Patriots unless that game dictates it. Because you need to win right. that too. Yeah, you because win if as long as the Chiefs win this coming week, you've got to win the last one. That's right. So you can't keep anybody on the sidelines. You got to win. I mean, if you're up you know, 28 to 10 in the second half. All right. You know, maybe roll in some backups late, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You got to win that one too. If you yeah. want home field, uh, Adam on the tweet sheet says beating the Bengals and limiting the penalty flags too many in Chicago, some questionable. Sure. But when you're the team to beat, you may get more calls against you. That's an interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if never, I buy that. But. Yeah, I, I don't either. Don't go into a game worried about the officials game managing or something like an NHL crew. I mean, yeah. that ain't that's not happening. Just go in and play. And I don't I don't mind an extra penalty here and there if because you've got to push the envelope all the time to help win these games. Every game teams get away with penalties, and every game they get a, a soft call against them. It's just the way it works. Um, I've I've had since I finished playing I've had a l- chances on occasion to be in conversations with a crew that has just finished refereeing an NFL game that I called as an analyst. The conversation and how they look at and talk about the game would be would go a long long way towards people understanding how seriously they take it how unbiased they attempt to be and how much they want to get it right. Um, You'd be shocked at how dispassionate and analytical they look at their own performance on the field week to week. So take that to heart. Don't worry about the officials. They're going to do the best job they can. Uh, Look at their statistics going into the game. If you're the team playing, use it to your advantage if you can, but know that those guys aren't, they aren't about, helping or hurting or doing anything but getting it right so know that and because i've i was taught that by listening to a conversation between these guys and how they think about it so take that to heart yeah and coach mcdermott even after the game said you know there were some stretches there where we were sloppy sloppy was a word that he used and that was true i mean the second quarter was not anything to write home about especially offensively so they fixed it when they came back out of the locker room in third quarter you know, and ripped off two straight touchdown drives, but they didn't come out of that game without some things to fix for sure. Uh, Jeffrey on the tweet sheet says the offensive line staying productive. Ryan Bates was great Saturday. The pulling creates big gaps. Now you, you looked on the one touchdown run by Singletary. Spencer Brown has a huge kickout block where he just caves the whole left side of the line off. You know, he has that seal and Singletary runs right off his rear end, and he's off to the races. Right. They, the offensive line was outstanding on Saturday. They, they were outstanding. Bates, the whole crew. 
the Bears aren't a great yardstick to measure how good they could be, but they were good. They dominated a team they should have dominated. Uh, they are good. They and the Bills are deep at that position. They've got guys that can swing in there. Kessenberry didn't even we didn't even need him. Bobby Hart's getting sprinkled in in the heavy packages. He's doing a nice job. Yeah, all these guys are playing well. Bates at center, Van Roten at guard, uh, Butger getting a chance to you know is getting close. Uh, so yeah. They played the game the way you would expect a top-notch offense to play it when their offensive line came in without their starting center. Uh, so, yeah, that's they're right where they should be, and they've got to stay there for the next five to six weeks. Yeah, and the timing of Butker's return was pretty fortuitous, knowing that we still don't have a prognosis on Mitch Morris, and we probably won't get one because once a guy goes into concussion protocol – teams are prohibitive from providing updates or progress. All they can tell you is he's still in the protocol and, and we really don't know anything beyond that. And, you know, we can all speculate and wonder. We do know that this is Morse's sixth documented concussion. That's a lot. And we don't know what that means, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming we'll find out in the coming weeks, just what we could be looking at. And there's another guy where if you can finish the regular season as the top seed, it gives that guy another week to try to get back in your lineup. If right. in fact he can't get back before the end of the regular season. That's right. Uh, that the bye week is huge. And I, I'll, I'll say it again. I'll probably be saying this all for the next three weeks. It's the bye, not home field. That is just as important in that scenario. Yeah. Rick on the tweet sheet says health and smart decisions by Josh continue strong defensive play and good solid play calling on offense, especially in critical situations. Uh, you know, we go back to the final drive against Miami last week and some of the play calling in the run game this week, Ken Dorsey is doing pretty good down the stretch here. Yeah. And you would expect it. I mean, <clears throat> It says a lot. They only threw the they only had to throw the football 26 times. They ran the ball really effectively. I love the fact that they didn't like say, okay, Josh, I know you're you know, you're trying to get back in this MVP race, but you know what? We're gonna we're gonna run it today. You're playing in 60 mile an hour winds or whatever. Uh breezy conditions. You can't throw the long ball as well. You can't loop these balls in there because the wind's moving them all over the place. We got this offensive line that's doing its thing. Let's do this, you know. Uh spread the ball around 10 different guys and let this offensive line work and make it, let them feel good about each other. Um, yeah. And that's huge coming in down the stretch. You want these guys to have some confidence together, even with a, a rotation that was without its starting center. That's good. I mean, I, he's smart. I agree with all the stuff that they're saying about it. Neil says winning both games and getting the one seed with home field advantage. Jeremy says, I think it goes without saying that the Bengals game is a must win before the Patriots. The Bengals have been impressive as of late, and this could be a true test of a Super Bowl contender. Um, I mean, everybody's talking about the Bills have won six in a row. The Bengals have won seven in a row and eight of their last 10. Right. I mean, they're just as hot, if not hotter. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. The Bills are number two in yards per game offensively. The Bengals are seven. The Bills are th number three in yards per play. The Bengals are 12th. But you go to the other end of it, passing yards a game, the Bills are seventh. The Bengals are fifth. 
uh, yards per passing yards per play passing seventh and the Bengals are eighth. These two teams are right there together. They are right there together. Um, you know, the Bengals get sacked about twice as often as the bills do. Well, the, the, not, not, that's not true. The bills are ninth ranked in yard sacks per attempt. The Bengals are 18th in sacks per attempt. Yeah. But first downs per game, third first and downs fourth. per game, three and four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, I mean, these two teams are tough, man. They are ranked statistically very close on offense anyway. Third uh, down, first and fourth. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, defensively. Zone, ninth and sixth. Defensively, the Bills are seventh in yards per game. Cincinnati's 13. Yards per play, Bills are eighth. Cincinnati's 15th. Rushing yards per game, the Bills are fourth. The Bengals are seventh. Yards per rushing per play. The Buffalo's 12th. The Bengals are 10th. Uh, Buffalo's sixth in passing yards per play. Cincinnati's 17th. All that stuff. They're ranked very close all the way across the board. Not out of the realm of, you know, you're talking about fractions of yards here after, after you know, 15 games. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, we got to take a break here. When we come back, it's time for Vision to Victory. We'll tell you what that is next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here on a Buffalo Football Monday. Vision to Victory, presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. I think the vision to victory, Steve, for me, it's still going to come down on the defensive side of the ball. You may feel differently, but those guys after that first drive, and we've seen this before in games from the Bills defense, the other team comes out with whatever their script of plays is to start the game. They might come down the field, put points on the board. But then after that, Coach Frazier and his defensive staff make the necessary adjustments, and this group just goes into lockdown mode, and they did that on Saturday there was literally no breathing room for this Bears offense. They never let them up off the mat the rest of the day. And even when they were faced with defending some short fields off three offensive turnovers by Buffalo, they only give up a field goal. And that was only because the the Bears got the ball at the Bills' 18-yard line. They actually went backwards to the 20 and had to kick a field goal. So that's my vision of victory. I think I agree with you, except I would put more of it on complimentary football. The Bengals are a really good football team. You've got to play well on both sides of the ball, and I think both sides are going to complement. I think the Bills got to score some points in this game. They've got to put the ball in. I think they're going to have to put the ball in the air and put some touchdowns on the board. That will less like lessen the likelihood that the Bengals are going to run the football. If you can make them one-dimensional, you've got a chance, and you've got to keep a lid on the big plays from Cincinnati. They've got so many weapons. They're so talented. They have, you've got to keep a lid on much like you do with the Miami dolphins. Yeah. So that is vision to victory. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet from Steve continue to balance the pass and run game. Our playoff identity being run first would be like Rocky switching to Southpaw to fight Apollo Creed. Joe says first round by slipping to three could mean Casey and Cincy back to back on the road to get to the Super Bowl. You don't want the three seed. From Kev, Chiefs getting upset by the desperate Broncos who played them tough last time, then us beating Cincinnati, giving three weeks rest to our starters. And then Jack says, 
They'll say the next game is not is always most important, but in this case, it's true. They have to get the W against a team that's chasing them. We want to get that by and have the playoffs come through OP. Bengals are hard to defend. Josh and the offense will need to stay on the field and score a lot. Could be a shootout game a week from tonight, Steve. Yeah, it could. We'll talk about it all week and going to get started tomorrow. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow at one here on One Bills Live. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 